Stand Up Mass viewers, I am so excited to be able to present to you my latest invention, the Cogputer. I will explain how this works and why I made it in a moment, but first of all, a demonstration of the power of the Cogputer. Let's say you want to multiply together two one-digit numbers and all of them are available. We will do, um, let's do, let's do nine. Okay, I think nine, okay, we're gonna do nine, and I'm gonna rotate the nine in a clockwise direction. And as I spin that around, I'm looking on the back here, spinning freely, and then I can feel it engage. <gasps> right, so the middle one, you may have noticed, has started turning. Some other ones are turning as well, ignore those. That's not intended. So I've now, oh, okay, so I did a full rip. So now I keep moving the nine, this has stopped moving. And now I'll move whatever I want to multiply nine by. So I'm going to do five. So I'm going to rotate five. Nothing happening yet. And then it will engage. There we are. So now the middle one's moving. Ignore these. All the way around until that disengages. And now if you zoom in very, very close. The, the, the display is not very big on the computer. If you zoom all the way in, you'll be able to see 45. So, I mean, feel free to double check. Nine times five is 45 and that will work for any combination. If you rotate any two, you gotta reset this, but if you reset this, you rotate any two of them, you will get their product on this incredible high resolution, albeit tiny screen. I will show you how the cold computer works in just a moment and oh, Patreon supporters, your chance to get your own equivalent, equivalent to this. A uh, little spoiler though, cogs. Why it's called the Cogputer. I fell into the Cogputation life at the beginning of last month, beginning of October. I saw a blog post by someone named Mark Dominus. They were writing about the late 1800s, very early 1900s, Irish mathematician named Percy Ludgate. And Percy had come up with an algorithm for multiplying together any two one-digit numbers. Exactly the problem I was solving with the Cogputer. And they did it with two tables. So what you do is you look up, first of all, the two one-digit numbers you want to multiply together in this table. So let's do five times nine again. We should get the same answer, even though this is a different algorithm. And so if you look up, uh, if you look up five, you'll see that five matches 23, and you look up nine, which matches 14. And so you add them together. You add 14 plus 23, and you get 37. So, so far we've taken five times nine and converted it into the value 37 by looking up two values and adding them. We then take this table, which has 100 entries, and we count along to the 37th entry. And the 37th entry is 45. So there you are. Percy had come up with a method where if you want to multiply numbers, you just need to look them up in a table, add the results, and then convert that back using a second table. Percy came up with this algorithm when they were trying to design a computer. And this is the late 1800s. That's incredible. They were ahead of everyone, except Charles Babbage, who got there first. They were the first person to build what uh, is called like a Turing complete computational device, what we would consider a real computer. And uh, Percy was second, so no one remembers Percy, but still well done, Percy. And it worked a different way had it ever been built. And that's what this algorithm was four. Percy wanted to turn multiplication, which is awful. No one likes it, we all agree, into addition. Ah, oh, love addition. So if I was to show that as an equation, it would look a lot like this. 
So you've got to multiply together two numbers, A times B, but you don't want to multiply. Ugh. You want to add. So what you do, take number A, put it into function G that converts it into some new value. You put B into the same function G, get a new value out, add them together. Piece of cake, everyone's having a great time. You then put that into function F, which converts it back to give you the product of A and B. So I guess function G takes you from the world of multiplication into addition, and then F gets you from addition back to your answer to the original multiplication. And I can say, as someone who's done a lot of tedious working out by hand, sure enough, next digit is a one. Here we go. And oh, next year, pi by hand. Oh, we've got, we are overly ambitious with what we're trying to do. I think we've got, we've got literally hundreds of volunteers who will be helping out. If you wanna hang out with me, and do a lot of adding and subtracting to, to do long division, basically. Um, or if you wanna go to the waiting list for volunteers, I'll link to that below. Oh my goodness. Anyway, the point is, this is way easier to do by hand, and Percy realized way easier if you're trying to build a computer out of bits of brass. The word I've been dancing around here is log. In fact, uh, what Percy did is often called an Irish logarithm because logs were like the classic way of doing this. And while they aren't the only way of doing it, here's a quick refresher on using logs. Step zero is to get yourself a log book. This is mine, I love it. You can look up the log of a whole range of values. And the point here is we want to find a way to turn multiplication into addition. In this case, A times B equals, well, first of all, you take the log of A, which you just look up in the book. You take the log of B, you look that up as well. You add the two values together, and then you raise the base of the log to the power of whatever that sum was. I've assumed this is log base 10. It might be a different base. The point is, there's another table, the reverse log, the exponential to get the result. And whatever it is, that's just A times B. Absolute genius. And we've been using logarithms since the year 1614. So actually, 2024, 400th anniversary of logs. However, my friend Adam Atkinson reminded me that prior to 1614, they used trig functions. <laughs> For a tiny window of a couple of decades before logarithms as a technique was discovered, people realized you could use trig functions. Slightly more complicated, you've got to find a value of x, some angle, where the cosine of that angle gives you the value a, and you've got to scale that to be within negative one to one. Likewise, you find a y, which matches b, you look it up in tables, and then you do x minus y, you do x plus y, do the cosines of those, look them up in tables, divide by two, that's pretty straightforward and you've got your answer. So Adam would like to make it very clear, if you happen to be time traveling between 1590 and 1614, do not attempt to use logs, you have to use trig functions. Percy, however, didn't want to use logs, didn't want to use trig functions. They wanted to have whole numbers and they wanted them to be like as small as possible. They had a goal to use these in a very specific computer design and so they had their own requirements, which meant they had to assemble their own functions. They had to make their own G and F from hand by arranging numbers. So when you add them together and look up the other table, you always get the products. It's a very difficult thing to do, crafting those numbers. And on Mark Domus's blog, they went through their theory for how they think Percy Ludgate might have done that, which I think, I think is pretty convincing and it is very clever. 
Percy had to find indexes for the digits 1 through 9, such that the sum of any two indexes, if you look it up in a very big table, will give you the product of the original two numbers. We're going to try and reverse engineer their logic. We'll start with 1. We'll give it the smallest index possible, 0. There you are. So the only sum we can do so far is 1 times 1, which is 1, and 0 plus 0 is 0. So we have to put 1 in the 0 spot. There we are. So far, so good. Right, 2. We'll give 2 the next smallest index, which is 1. And now we can do a sum. We can do... 2 times 1 is 2, and the index 0 plus 1 is 1. So here this has to be uh, 2. In fact, because 1 has index 0, every single number has to appear at whatever its index is, because multiplying by 1 is basically adding 0 to the index. And by the way, if this seems a bit confusing to start with, do not panic. It makes more sense once we get into the rhythm of it. So uh, don't, don't worry initially. Just, if we just go with the flow. So what are we going to do next? Well, so if we do 2 times 2... That gives us 4, and 1 plus 1 means it's going to be at index uh, position 2. So we can uh, fill that in there. And now we know that 4 must be index 2, because 4 times 1 is going to be 4, and 2 plus 0 is 2. So that goes in there. Um, we also do 4 times 2, and that's going to be index uh, 1 plus 2 is 3. So we can uh, put the 8 in there, which means also 8 has to be index 3. So far, so good. And now if we do 8 times 2, that means index 4 is where we're going to see 16. And... Uh, likewise, if we do 8 times 4, it's going to be 32. That's going to be at index 5. Look at that. We're flying along. I think that's it for those. Oh, hang on a second. 8 times 8 is going to be 64, and that's going to be at position 6. So we can fill that in. Okay, right. I think now we're ready to move on. So if we want to do 3, the next available empty spot is 7. So if we put 3 at index 7, we can then fill in 3 over here. And now we have to do them. Well, actually, let's just keep multiplying by 3, but we're going to go off the table here. So what we'll do is we'll wrap this around so we can see the next row. And if we multiply 3 by 3 again, that's going to be at position 14, and that's going to be 9. And if we multiply by 3 again, that's going to be, at, well, add on another 7. That's going to be uh, position 21. And over there, so now we can fill in uh, 27 down there. Oh, and along the way, we realized 9 is now index 14. We got that for free. That's quite nice. The issue here, though, is because we're adding 7 each time we multiply by 3, these kind of skip all over the place because I've done I've done, I've done column, 10 columns before I wrap in my grid. This would make a lot more sense if we rearrange them all to be 7 wide, which means we've now got, each time you add 7, you're actually just going down 1 in the grid. So going across means multiplying by 2, and going down means multiplying by 3. It's really neat. We can fill in all the other missing ones because we might want to multiply 2 by 3, which in theory is going to be index 8 because you add the 1 to the 7, and that's going to be in there. And we can fill in uh, down to there. Likewise, 4 times 3 is going to give us 12. That will give us 36. 8 will give us 24 up to 72. And finally, 16. Multiply that by 3, we get 48. If we go any further on these, we get more than a two-digit number. And we never have more than a two-digit answer when you're multiplying two one-digit numbers together. And we can double-check here. 48, that is 6 times 8. And 6 is index 8. 8 is index 3. 8 plus 3 is 11. And there it is. 11 is 48. So far, so good. Now we need to do 5. Hmm. Now what I'm actually going to do is take all the ones we've done so far and let's pop them over to the side. Because the next available empty spot is 29. So in theory, if we want to have the same thing where we jump the same amount, actually we could imagine this in the third dimension, hovering above this one. And to go up one, which is 
to pop over here to the equivalent spot, you go 29 ahead. So 5 is now set to 29, which means 5 has to go in there, and then we fill in all the other multiples of 5, which are smaller than 100. And while that would work, Percy was all about the smallest numbers possible. If you look over here at this, eight, this 81 is what's forcing us to wait until 29 before we can do 5. If that wasn't there, we could start from 23. But actually, maybe we could do both, because after 54, there's 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 empty spots, and then 81. Because if you look over here, there are 5 that are full, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, and then an empty spot. So what we could do is overlap this with this. And we do that by stopping at 22. We'll have 23 as the beginning of our pattern over here. We've got the four empty ones, and this grid can still neatly slot in up the top there. Like, look at that. So instead of 29, we can turn that into 23, and we can rearrange all of this to match. And that works nicely. And this is what Percy would do. They would do it logically, we believe, and then try and reduce it down so that you're using the smallest numbers possible. We then move on to 7. 7 could start at 39, so we'll pop that out. Again, you could make a whole new one of these. Imagine it's hovering above. We put the 7 in there, and then etc. Right? We fill in the rest of those. Although, spoiler, you may have noticed, we could do the same trick again. Like, what if we started at 33? If there was these two were empty in the 7s, we could overlap without a collision. And that is true. You can actually do that. You can put that over there. So Percy didn't do 39. They actually did 33. And that does work. They all fill in. The one remaining missing step is Percy needed a zero. And zero is at 50. So once you've done all the sevens, the earliest you can start the zeros without a collision is at 50. And this is exactly the original two tables I showed you once you fill in the rest of these. And that is one possible way that Percy could have worked it out. There is a number theory way where you can get these values of you know, 7 and 23 and 33 logically to be able to fill them in by doing calculations rather than kind of trial and error and shuffling around. I'll link to another page which goes through that. But the short version is, by some version of this method, Percy ended up with these two tables. Very clever. This finally brings us back to the computer. I was so inspired, I thought I'd try and build my own version of what Percy had designed. And I realized that while Percy had to do it all by hand and logic, I live in a post-computer world, so I can just write some terrible Python code to come up with my own version. And Percy was trying to keep the numbers as small as possible, so I thought I'd see how small I can get them and still keep from zero uh, all the way through to nine, because I mean zero and one, do you really need them? Anyway, I left them in for completeness. And while Percy's biggest number in the first table is 50, and so if you're squaring whatever that number is, your lookup table has to go up to 100. I managed to get it down. So here's my initial lookup table. Biggest number is 42, which means that when you then look those up in the second table, it only goes up to 84 values. I just want to quickly compare my tables to Percy's because we actually took subtly different approaches. I didn't bother making one index zero, so all my numbers do not necessarily appear at their index, whereas Percy's do do that, and potentially that inverse nature of the two functions might be important in the building of Percy's computer, I don't know. Also, I explicitly make a distinction between a blank cell and a zero cell. All my zeros are put in explicitly as zeros, whereas Percy just did everything that wasn't a non-zero value is a zero 
regardless. Which means, strictly speaking, Percy's table could stop at entry 66 if all the zeros after that don't need to be actually built in, depending on how the computer handles it. Whereas I wanted all my zeros explicitly built in. And, and technically, because Percy had zero matching to 50, zero squared is 100, which is actually the 101st entry in their table because it's zero indexed. So slightly different ways of going about it and you can argue both ways which one of us used the smaller table depending on how you handle zeros. I stand by my decisions about nothing because I had other plans for my results. And what I thought I would do is actually try and turn that into a physical device. Because you can have a lookup table for multiplication if it's a two-dimensional table, right? Because that's, that's a multiplication table. That's dead easy. But if you want to build a machine that can do it automatically, having it one-dimensional, having it just adding is way better. You could have rods or something and they just push a certain amount and then they add on and then you read off the answer. And you want all of zero through nine because if you're multiplying bigger numbers, each individual step excluding the carry, is just somewhere between zero and nine. So if you can do this over and over and over again, you can multiply together numbers of arbitrary size. And I thought I would make this work physically with uh, cogs. So, so the nine cogs, so you look at my table, nine matches 15. And so on the back here, the nine cog, which is this blue one here, has, it's got 15 teeth. And so it means the center cog, this is the readout cog, it has the full 84 teeth. That represents the entire second table. And if I rotate uh, nine here, you'll see nothing happens for a while, then the teeth engage, and then it moves the full 15 increments around, and then it disengages. Well, I say that. Um, actually, the engagement process, actually it starts a little early. It's the nature of cogs. It starts a bit early, and so there's actually a little bit of extra movement before it's fully aligned. Then you get the 15, and then you get a little bit of disengagement, or like, oh, it's locked. Oh, another, also the cogs, cogs sometimes drift and accidentally engage elsewhere, which is a mild problem. So I have to like, you've got to offset the starting position to allow for the tolerances and you know, this could be improved dramatically. And I'm uh, hugely in debt to Lisa Mather and Katie Steckles, who took my plans and turned it into this physical object. I'm so proud. I could iterate this with future designs and make it better, but I think it demonstrates the point. The point is, if you rotate the cogs on the back, they're doing the addition with the rotation, and it means you can then read off the multiplication um, on the screen there. Although, not the only way to do it. If you had any situation where you're combining two physical things uh, in a way that's analogous to adding, you could use that to do multiplication. And so I thought, given we're approaching the end of the year, we're coming into the festive season. In fact, we should festive this up a little bit. I can put my, um, here's my festive hat, make it a bit more Christmassy in here. There you are. Oh, I've got my, this is all the rage now. I've got myself. I'm gonna put myself on a shelf. There we are. And over here, we have the full computing Christmas tree. Right, so this tree, all the presents, I have calculated the exact height every single present has to be. 
And if you stack two presents, you see they've all got numbers. Now I didn't do zero. To do zero, I'd have to have the full 84 increments all the way out. By taking out zero, I dramatically reduce the number of uh, numbers in all of the tables. And so actually the biggest uh, value in the presence is now uh, 29, which I think is the nine. And then the tree only has to be a height of uh, 58 high. So it means way easier to do with baubles. And uh, let's give it a go. I am deeply in debt, by the way, um, to Carrie and Nina, who made all of this for me. Thank you so much, Carrie and Nina. Look at this, isn't that spectacular? But what could it be? Okay, so here's nine. I'm gonna move three around. So if I put nine here, and then I put five on top, in theory, these two, and I gotta kinda smoosh it into the tree a bit. If I meander these in, Ah, oh, okay, it's a little hard to see because of the, the, the parallax, but I can confirm they exactly, look at that, they match up with a 45. Okay, let's do a more acceptable one. One times five, if you already know the answer, just keep it inside your head for a second. Look at this, if I just kinda, look at that, if I snuck, look at that, it exactly lines up with the five bauble. I cannot tell you how proud I am, the effort it took to work out all the sizes of all the presents and all the position of all the baubles, but this tree can do multiplication. Now that's a log table. Now, if you want your own one of these, I have some very good news. And actually, you know what? I'm gonna take me and myself, pop over here for a second. So um, I've actually got a Christmas, Christmas dog here. Good girl. Can you look after, look after the, than me, um, if you want to make your, do not eat my face. If you want to have your own Christmas tree that can do multiplication, have I got some good news for you. I did an even more simplified version. So I took out the, uh, the ones as well. So the one here that Nina and Carrie built for me, you can do multiplication by one, absolutely incredible. Whereas this tree here, no ones, no zeros, it got it down so the maximum present height would need to be 24, which means the top of the tree up here is only, uh, what's that gonna be, 48, all the way up to the top. But where are the presents? They're inside the card. If you cut out these presents and stack them on the front, it does multiplicate, you line them up and it will match the appropriate bauble I am so proud of this. I will put all my numbers, so the ones for the Cogputer, the ones for the real tree, the ones for the Christmas card down below if you wanna check them out. If you support me on Patreon and you're at the statistically significant level or higher, I will post you one of these for Christmas. And here I'll write your name, I'm like, oh, thanks for your support, and then you'll have a physical one of these for Christmas. Recap, all Patreon supporters will be emailed one of these, definitely. Make sure you're supporting me by the end of December, but if you're on earlier, you'll get it earlier. And silly, significant or higher, you'll be posted one. If you're supporting me by the end of November, I'll make sure you get it by Christmas, otherwise you might get it after Christmas, but you will get it, thank you so much to everyone who supports this channel. I hugely appreciate it. That's it from me. Thank you so much for watching the video. I had a lot of fun putting this together. Do check out Mark Dominus's blog post. There's now a second part up about discrete logs. I will link to it below 
have a good look at it. A huge thanks to Katie and Lisa for building the computer for me, an incredible feat. And huge thanks to Nina and Carrie for wrapping all these very precisely sized presents. Now, if you excuse me, I'm gonna spend a little bit more time stacking some more of these to double check it definitely works. Look at this. Fifty-six!